Hello, my name is Daniel Kelly and this is May Contain, the podcast breaking the stigma of what it's really like living with a severe food allergy. I have lived with a peanut allergy since I was five, so I'll be talking about the different situations I've come across over the last 20 years living with food allergy, whether that's dating, going out with your friends, living abroad, hopefully give you guys like a really good insight into what it's like living with a food allergy. So in this week's episode of May Contain, I'm here with Natasha Coates, who's the elite number one disability gymnast, and she's had over 300 anaphylactic shocks. So today I'll be talking about her condition, which is mast cell activation syndrome, and we're talking about how she's achieved these amazing feats in gymnasts whilst living with this severe condition where she doesn't know when she might go into anaphylactic shock. Her story is like truly like inspiring. Um, you got in touch, is it back in 2015? I created a magazine and Natasha reached out and I've been following her journey since then and she's gone on to achieve amazing things. So I think it would be a great to kind of talk about Natasha's story and how she's got to where she is today and like her condition, how, yeah, like your day-to-day life really. Well, should we start off with the condition? So. It's quite long, mast cell activation syndrome, right? So you're basically allergic to everything. It's kind of true, yeah. So we call it MCAS for short because mast cell activation syndrome gets long after you have to repeat it over and over again. So we refer to it as MCAS and it's basically the fact that the cells that are responsible for allergic reactions in my body are hypersensitive. So I have reactions with no trigger or things make it more likely to happen. So it's not a true allergy in the fact of I'm allergic to X, Y, Z. It's that sometimes my body reacts to X, sometimes it reacts to Y, and you never quite know. So how many like anaphylactic shots have you had? I've, I've heard it's like over 300. Yeah, probably over 300 now. I think I've, we kind of stopped counting when you get past so many, um, and it's become such a, a normal thing for me because it's something I have to deal with on like a near daily basis now that I kind of don't count because... You know, it'd be hard to focus on such a, a number. So but if I did think about it, like there's there's a lot. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've never had an anaphylactic shock. So I can't imagine having over 300 anaphylactic shocks and how have you like, managed that? Do you always have to make sure you've always got EpiPens or your awesome injectors on hand just in case because you never know when you might go into anaphylactic shock again? Yeah, I always carry my EpiPens. I normally carry three or four depending on you know, where I'm going, what I'm doing, um, because I like to have the two that I need and then two spare. So if I do end up in hospital, I don't have to wait for pharmacy to again have two more. So I always carry spares because you never know if they're going to not be effective or, you know, the ambulance might take longer than expected. So I'd rather carry more and not need them than not carry enough. I do think it's a massive issue now because a lot of these young people are not carrying the, the auto injector or the adrenaline with them. And they go and see these restaurants or they're going, going out with the friends and they're not carrying the EpiPen with them. And they're more likely going to have a, a severe anaphylactic shock and, and not have it with them. So I find it is really, really scary that when, when I do read about these stories and that you hear about not having the EpiPen with them. I don't know how scary, people do it. It, it yeah, really like, scares yeah. me. And I think people that don't carry it, they kind of don't want to accept that they may need it or chances are they're unlikely to need it for like you for example you've never had to use one but you still carry yours because you never know if you know it might happen and you don't want to think it's going to happen but it's always best to you know plan for the worst and hope for the best yeah i think with guys as well you know you could be in a rush and you you like 
like girls who used to have like purses are oh, they have like a little, <laughs> yeah, little we bag have yeah. you can put it in your handbag and it's it's not as weird to carry around where I suppose with guys it's not the easiest thing to fit in your pocket or yeah. you've got to carry like a man bag around which may not be your kind of style so I guess it's easier yeah, for, for you wearing women. skinny jeans like I've heard that people like didn't w- didn't want to wear or carry the epin because they're wearing skinny jeans and I was literally like what I was like it's so like it's your life you know what I mean like you don't want to exactly it's a life-saving medication it's not like an optional thing that you can just carry around as an extra. It's more important than your phone, really, yeah. when you think about it. So, so how old was you when you the the condition kind of, you was having these anaphylactic shots and you was like, oh, what, what's happening? Why are these reactions happening? I was 18, so I'd kind of just finishing college, you know, planning my life and then all this kind of happened and it was like, okay, I can't do what I'd planned to do and, you know, it affected my life a lot, especially at first because it was frightening and we didn't have a diagnosis and... I was cutting out all these foods to still have a reaction, so we didn't know what was going on. Um, whereas now, thankfully, I've got the diagnosis, and even though it still happens, it's easier to explain to doctors and to understand it myself. Like having a name to it makes it a lot easier to cope with because you kind of know what you're fighting against yeah, rather than just the unknown. Unknown kind of thing. And I think your story is even more incredible as well because you've been doing gymnastics since you was very young and you've gone on to compete in the Dispassi British Championships and you've won gold and you've won over like 22 medals and you've gone on to achieve these amazing things. And I think for me, when I was like reading your story and like following your journey, it's not, your condition's not stop you than doing what you're passionate about and gymnast being a key part of your life in that, that aspect. Yeah, when it kind of came on, I, I didn't want it to completely change my life. I mean, I've given up and had to change a lot of things but I've just learned to adapt things. So I can't do everything that I could do before, but I do a lot of it just a little bit differently with the gymnastics, obviously training less hours and adapting the environment and things like that. And obviously having reactions to food, changing my diet, then to, to make sure I'm getting enough energy and protein and things to train compete, to yeah. and compete. Um, so it's, it was quite a change, but I think for me, it was more adapting the life I had around the condition because I don't want the condition to become my life because I know a lot of people that have the diagnosis because it affects everything you do and everything you come to contact with you know it's very easy to let it take over your life whereas I'm like okay it's trying to take over my life I'll take it with me and add things in that I like to kind of do a bit of both and I have to accept that some days I'm really ill and can't do things or I'll spend a week in ICU and that's just something I have to accept and it's frustrating and I don't like it, but I don't have any other You're choice. Not, so. Yeah, but you, don't, you like you said, you don't want it to take over your life and stop you. Exactly. I could sit there what, and yeah. feel sorry for myself, but I'm or not going to achieve anything. About, yeah, yeah. So it's, I'm going to react either way. So I might as well be doing something productive. And I think that's that's why it's so inspiring for me is that you, you live with this really serious condition, but you've not let it hold you back and you, you've not let it stop you. And... I think it's just like really inspiring how you've been so honest and upfront about it through social media and obviously like the different press releases you've done as well. And hopefully it, it will encourage other people with your condition, but even allergies as well, just to be like speak up speak up about it and speak out about it. And I've, I've always said like, yeah, everyone's got a voice to, to be heard and either if that's through social media or just speaking up about it, it, it can have such a, a massive impact. I yeah, think that's even, what's incredible. Even if it's yeah. not, you know, in the media, even if it's just speaking up and telling your friends that you have an allergy, you know, teaching them how to use an EpiPen, it doesn't have to be, you know, taking over the world, even if it's just saying to your best friend, like, I can't have a certain food 
or can we not eat there because there's nothing I can have and that's quite scary I think especially when you're younger and you're trying to fit in and you just want to go along with everything yeah, fit in with, yeah. I think the past year or so I've definitely got better at saying no to things that either cause me to flare or make me feel uncomfortable and kind of looking out for myself whereas when you're younger I think you just want to get on and do everything like with everybody blend else in, yeah. yeah you don't want to be the odd one out you just want to blend in and if you're suddenly you know you don't want your other friends not to be able to go somewhere because you have an allergy to nuts and they serve like nuts there you know you don't want to be that person but sometimes you have to be and i think oh, yeah. it's really difficult i'm not saying it's easy but it's worth it because it's your life at the end of the I day i think a lot of people like young people kind of get in touch and they think they're making a like a scene out by saying you've got an allergy and i'm like no it's it's your life you know and, and i think that's so important i think having an allergy yeah. is no different than saying oh i've got blonde hair and you've got brown hair you know it's just something that makes you, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly it's just like going about like trying to give people the confidence, definitely especially with teenagers, the confidence to speak up to the friends. Or and I think by hopefully by doing this podcast, for example, like we can talk about it as as like friends in like a very conversational yeah. way, and it doesn't have to be very medical and clinical. Um, like it's, no, yeah. no, I definitely think that. I mean, for me, carrying my epipens is just second nature now. They just go everywhere with me. I don't even really think about it. And that's just how it should be, really. I think I don't think you actively have to be like, oh my gosh, have I got them? Have I got them? Like they're always in my bag. I always know where they are if I need them. I check them regularly to make sure they're still in date and they're okay. But it's not constantly on my mind because I know it's worst case scenario, it's there and where they are and what to do. So do all your friends know how to use the EPIN just in case you do have a severe anaphylactic shock and you can't administer the EPIN yourself? Do all your friends like know how to use it? My friends are really good. I'm really lucky that, you know, they've all kind of taken it on board and they've all learned how to use an EpiPen. We use an EpiPen trainer, so I've taught them how to use it. So worst case scenario, they know what to do and you know, the basics of like how to phone an ambulance so they don't panic because I don't want them to be in a situation where they feel worried or uncomfortable around me. So it's kind of, okay, this is what happens and they know what to do. So it kind of relieves the stress on them. And also I think, you know, some people weren't willing to learn or kind of, listen to what I needed in response to, you know, like not eating certain places. And it was almost, you know, I lost a couple of friends, but it was worth it because they weren't really friends in the first place. Friends, yeah. you know, if, they, if they judge you or, you know, don't support you, no matter how hard it is and how close you thought you were to that person, you know, it just goes to show that they're not a true friend because they'll, you know, they'll stand by and support you, whatever is yeah, going you want on. want someone who's going to be there for you, like thick and thin and imagine. Exactly. Yeah. I have a lot of people. You've probably seen or yeah. gone through that and you know who you, your real friends are, which is so important. And that it's good. Yeah. I had a lot of people, especially when I first kind of came into the media of like friends from school tagging me in like school pictures together and things like that and being like, oh, you're doing so well. Like I'm so, you're so amazing. Like we should hang out and stuff. And it was lovely, but they'd shown no interest yeah. into me when Beforehand, before yeah. that or even after that when I'd become all well or I'd be in hospital like I'd never get any messages it was only when I was doing something particularly big on tv or they'd find out you know there was something to benefit from them that they wanted to be friends with and it was you know I'm I'm always polite to them I'd never be rude but I always make sure you know that I keep my friends close yeah like, so they're friends. doing it more like a conversation like oh like, I know Natasha yeah. and like yeah and it's yeah you want someone who like name who's, dropping. who's there yeah like trying to name drop you but you want someone who's there like when like, like you said when you are in hospital and yeah when I'm in hospital and I'm really frightened and, and not need... feeling well I want a friend that I can in text and they can text me back and you know cheer me up not somebody that you know they're happy to do that when things are all you know like rainbows and unicorns and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. you know you need someone that's there consistently 
because um, obviously I do re re rely on a support system, but when you think about it, everybody does, so it's you know, building a, a good support system around me, really. We've spoke before about um, about kind of like the, the disability part of thing and how people treat someone differently or, or if they can't see what's going on yeah, behind the, the closed doors. Yeah, because cause I don't look disabled. You can't see that I you know, am allergic to life. You can't see that I don't have feeling in my limbs. You know, they look me up and down and presume because I'm not in a wheelchair and I have all my limbs that I'm not disabled. And I think society is getting a lot better with understanding invisible disability, but I think we still have a long way to go. Still like a massive kind of barrier to kind of break down to get people aware of it. And I think that's what's great on your Instagram we're seeing that you, you are doing like more like you said like behind the scenes and I think that is generally like really interesting like I think like people like you say just see the final outcome and of, of you winning all these awards and, and medals but they don't see like like you said the blood sweat and tears yeah. what you, goes into it you know what I mean and and you like obviously like being in and out of hospital and a lot of people don't see don't see it and they just see this article and, the, and they might just jump straight to conclusions without actually knowing like but yeah there yeah. can be a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of I, I get quite a lot of hate comments um especially after something big and people have most of the comments have just not quite read it or understood it properly and i'm like if you just read it like yeah. properly you'd understand what i was saying like or they've kind of twisted what i've said but i think society's getting a lot better at understanding invisible disabilities and you know there's signs in toilets like not all disabilities are visible and that's you know showing a real, real inclusive way of moving forward and kind of changing, changing the way that we view people with disabilities. I think there is a long way to go, but I think the first kind of big hurdle, we've just we're we're just over it, and we've got to keep going and keep pushing and working on it. And when people meet me, you know, they say I oh, don't look disabled. I'm like, well, thank you. You know, I bought really good concealer. You know, yeah. it's kind of, I suppose it's almost nice in a way. But then I kind of question them. So if you know, say you said to me, "Say, oh, well, you don't look disabled." I'd then ask them, "Well, what, right, what, yeah. what does disabled look like?" And you know, people are really uncomfortable when I ask that, and really struggle to answer it. And I'm like, "Well, that's exactly my point. You know, disability doesn't have a textbook look. Yeah, you it know, comes in all shapes and exactly, sizes, just and, like everybody yeah. else does. So, I think kind of pushing people that way, it's not like not making them uncomfortable people, yeah, on purpose, yeah. but you know, questioning them and thinking, well." what is disabled to you then if i'm if i'm not deemed disabled in your eyes what is disabled to you and most people can't answer that because they've not thought of that society's just kind of taught them the basics yeah it's just like it's like the whole of like educating people and and, and making them aware because i think a lot of time people say something without knowing like con not the consequences but like without really knowing like how that could yeah, like upset or offend someone judge yeah. or just say something i seem to get the people that have absolutely no barriers and will ask me any kind of intimate question they want or the people that won't really talk to me because they're worried about upsetting me it's kind of you seem to get one or the other really get one or the other there's no kind of like middle ground there's never in, an in between it's literally one or the other there's no middle ground in that sense like no it's kind of entertaining people seem to think if you you know i talk very openly about my health conditions but some of the questions i get asked i'm just like all right like, calm down you know i don't want to tell you everything but then you've got the people that would be really uncomfortable to even say anything. So if I make a joke, like someone's eating something and they're like, oh, do you want some? I was like, oh no, thanks. I can't have that. You know, like, oh, might kill me. Probably not a good idea. Like just jokingly, cause I'm, you know, I quite lighthearted about it. Um, 
they get really uncomfortable and they're like, oh my gosh, you're joking about death and like allergies and stuff. And oh, that's really, really difficult. Like, really like, uncomfortable. Uptight about it. And I'm like, oh no, sorry, I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. I'm just kind of making light of it to not make them feel yeah, uncomfortable. What, and I think like, yeah, it's good that, you know what I mean? You can, you can not have a, a joke about it, but like you can be like, well, this is the way it is and you can do something about it. You know what I mean? I yeah, think. I mean, with my condition or with any allergies, you know, I take it very seriously. I'll laugh and I'll joke about it. And it almost seems like I don't take it seriously, but I, I, I really do. I always carry on my medications, everything organised. I take my medications religiously or my antihistamines and things like that. And even though I'll say, oh, you know, it's a bit of a joke, like, oh, being allergic to life and oh, it's a bit of a pain and kind of have a joke about it. At the end of the day, it is very serious and I do take it seriously, yeah, but I can't take it seriously all the time because it just exhausts you. Oh, mentally yeah, drain yeah, you. You're constantly on edge. So I just kind of go with the flow. Really. I found that. So when I was... Last year, I was doing loads of research into like allergies and stuff, and basically, I was working with these illustrators that illustrate how not to use epin. Because in films, they always show administering the epin in the heart. Do you do you find? Yeah, the administering epin in the heart. Oh, I saw one. I think it was Casualty that showed them using an epipen into the person's arm, and I'm like, it goes into the thigh. It says on the epipen, like read the instructions. It's so bad because like like educating people how how. how not to use it you know what I mean yeah we need to educate people the correct the method correct way yeah because the amount of people that go oh it goes into goes into your chest doesn't it it goes into your arm and I'm like no 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 please please don't stab don't me in the do chest that, yeah. please don't stab me in the chest A that won't work more damage like, um, and B that would really hurt I'm not sure if it'd actually be that effective because it wouldn't be going into the muscle if we stab yeah. you right in in the chest so you know what which, which would kill me first the anaphylaxis or the fact they've just stabbed me in the chest yeah it's just like i can't believe that films are still doing this definitely like the hollywood film so um horrible bosses was an episode where a scene where he threw like a peanut wrapper out the window and someone picked it up and then he went into anaphylactic shock and then the guy stabbed him in the heart with the epipen oh my gosh and they was just like stabbing him in the heart with the epipen but like repetitively but it looked like he was murdering him yeah because oh he didn't gosh. know how to use the epipen like so obviously it's a comedy film but like there was like he could have at least like shown the the correct procedure like how to do it yeah if and the guy survived the guy survived it from stabbing how in the heart <laughs> so I was like that would not happen I was like I was That's going hilarious. mad like screaming at the TV and I was like no yeah, like I don't do like that, that. I'm like, yeah. do it properly like, or even if you you know repeatedly stabbing it do it in the thigh do it where it's actually going to work teach people how to do it correctly because they've got this audience to do that and to make a difference and you can still make it a comedy you can still make a joke out of it but by still educating people correctly. Yeah, it's scary. Please don't ever stab me in the chest with an epipen. Please, yeah, I know, yeah. So if you're out there, someone's going to have an anaphylactic shock, please stab me in the side of the leg. Like, don't, out of five, not in the heart. Yeah, it'd be definitely more effective. Dating and going out with friends, like maybe like dating, for example, would would you mention it? It's date. difficult, yeah. It's not like I can put in my Tinder bio, like, yeah, oh, I'll it to life. Yeah, yeah. Like, only people, I can only date people that know how to use an EpiPen. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's difficult. I mean, I I quite open about it and just say, you know, I've got some food allergies. And most people are like, oh, that's fine. You know, we'll just eat what you can eat. I've kind of learned what I can eat and where I can eat out now. And I pretty much have the same thing every time because I know it's safe and I'd never risk it. Um, I can't have like Chinese food, for example. So if someone has to go and get Chinese, I'd be like, "Oh no, I'm all right, thank you. Like yeah. you're you're welcome to have whatever you want, but I can't have that." Um, and obviously with dating, like with kissing and stuff, if they've eaten something with nuts in, that's really difficult. Yeah, that's so. Like my ex-boyfriend had to give up nuts. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I the girls always say that on a date, like, 
oh, I'm going to have to, like, give up nuts. I'm like, well, yeah, like, I was like, you can't be eating nuts around me if you're going to, like, carry on, like, yeah. dating. Like, My ex-boyfriend used to have crunchy nut cornflakes for breakfast every single day. I don't know if he does now. We're no longer together. But while we were together, obviously, you couldn't because yeah. crunchy nut cornflakes and then give me a hug or whatever is, is potentially an issue. Yeah, but thankfully, he was really understanding and good about it. But I figured, you know, if someone wants to be with me and likes me enough, they'll be willing to give up peanuts for me. Well, that's what I mean. Like, someone tagged me in a post this morning, actually, and basically um, she put her kids to bed and she had, like, a Chinese takeaway. And then the kids, one of the kids, like, woke up and come downstairs and it's like, oh, you're not giving me, like, a goodnight kiss and, like, kissed her on the cheek. And then a daughter had, like, a loads of reaction on the cheek. With oh, hives. wow, that's scary. So they obviously had to take antihistamine and it wasn't, it wasn't a serious, like, really serious reaction, but it's just... Just goes to show, yeah, like you think wouldn't of. think about, yeah, like obviously, like the parents just like didn't realize and f- forgot to brush the teeth or like, yeah, it's even for you, you know, if girls are wearing there's almond oil, there's and loads of like skincare products, oh, and yeah, things like, like that, like so massage you, bars, and yeah, you have to be a lot more aware, or like shampoos quite often have nuts in it. I mean, I've got a friend that's allergic to coconut, and that's in everything at the moment, and loads of shampoos and food and things like that so it's it's even not even food it's it's anything you could think of any product i nearly got caught out so i nearly got caught out this week so it's been really cold it's been freezing and like i get really dry knuckles where they start cracking so i was like oh this is great but i was like so i said to one of the girls i went can you find some moisturizer in the office like and she went yeah i found this moisturizer but she was like let me squirt it into your hands because it's really expensive and i don't want you to be using it i was like (laughs) but just before she'd done it i was like can i just check the packaging on the back she looked at me a bit funny. She's like, what? Like, why? And I was like, oh, it might have nuts in it. And she was like, yeah. She was like, whatever. It's, it's moisturised. It'll be fine. Anyway, I did check the, the packaging. It said, like, um, made with, like, nut oils. Oh, So God, I was like, oh, right, like, good it's job. It's a good job you Yeah, checked. that's what I mean. It's a good job like, I didn't, like, put it on my hands and then, like, touch my mouth or face. And then I would have had, like, a severe, like, allergic, allergic reaction. reaction, which is, like, really. People are like, what are we reacting to? A girl's hand cream. Imagine that, yeah. Or if I touch my like, because you do touch your mouth sometimes, yeah. or like, and yeah, it's quite scary to think like I could have had like a severe like reaction to something like it's, it's everywhere. You've always got to be aware of what you're around. So, what's your plan for 2019? Anything exciting? Well, domination. <laughs> no, maybe next year. <laughs> taking over. Yeah, kind of, kind of taking it day at a time, building on on kind of my social media and competing. Um, later this year I've got a couple of competitions so really just kind of getting back into fitness having just been in hospital recently and kind of finding me and what I want to do with the future and start building towards that and hopefully get into public speaking that's something I'm really interested in so I'm starting to kind of dabble in that a little bit so that's fun like do you, do you get quite nervous speaking to like lots of people or you feel quite confident in them kind of like situations Normally I'm quite confident. I feel nervous, but it's like a good nervous rather than excited, a scary yeah, nervous. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like, I call it nerve sighted, like nervous and excited at the same time. Like really looking forward to it. It's really scary and it's really difficult sometimes, but after it, I'm always really glad I did it. I suppose it's like people going to the gym, like, oh, you don't really like going to the gym, but when you're there, it's all right. It's fine, and yeah, when you're yeah. done, you're really pleased you did it. It's kind of a bit like that. Yeah, I think like public speaking is like so important in terms of like getting more people like aware of the condition and and it's just getting the general public just like more kind of like aware of like MCAS and and kind of yeah, like this, I think the symptoms. People. Yeah, like I've definitely like what to look out for. I mean, we mentioned it bri- like earlier, but like yeah, just kind of getting people on board of like how to use the EpiPen and kind of like the different symptoms, kind of like 
for for kind of thing. And then have you got your gymnast competition soon? Yeah, I've got one coming up in March and then later in the year I've got a couple more as well. So we're just kind of building towards getting routines together and building up fitness ready for that. But it's coming around quickly. I know, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> Not sure like, where the year's going already. I can't believe the month's gone already, like and it's literally like flies by. So do you do how much training do you do like in the lead up to these kind of like big events? Is it like most days or is it every other day? Yeah, I think leading up like a couple of weeks before the competition it's pretty much most days, but at the moment I'm kind of still getting back into it. So I'm like slowly adding hours a little bit of time and doing extra strength work and extra flex- flexibility work to get my body kind of prepared for competition season because it's it's a hard, you know, routine after routine, repetition after repetition is hard on your body. So you kind of do... Takes out of you. Yeah, you like, do yeah. kind of physio of preventative injuries because, you know, you try and keep joints strong to prevent getting injured rather than just treat the injury when it happens. Yeah. And in terms of like diet then, do you have to like be like really strict? Like, Yeah, I mean, I don't eat particularly unhealthy anyway. I think I'm allergic like to most unhealthy things, it feels like. So <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's thinking of my body. I need to fuel it with the correct things if I want to get the best out of it. So I don't really see it as a diet or anything. It's more, you know, I want to achieve things. Therefore, I need to do X, Y, Z. And if one of those is, you know, choosing carrots over chocolate, then I'm going to do that. If it means yeah, I win a gold medal. It's going to win, yeah. Yeah, it's worth making the difference. How many medals have you won now? I've won 22 British titles and I've got over 30 national medals. That's so like incredible, bronze, yeah. gold at national level. So it's, yeah, it's been quite a whirlwind. Yeah, that's amazing. Like over the last like three years, like. Yeah, I think I started in 2014. So what, four, nearly five years. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, still doesn't feel real. Even the first one, when I yeah, think, yeah. think back, doesn't feel real. So it's really bizarre how my life kind of turned out, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's just like a journey. And there's there's a quote I always really like by um, Steve Jobs, and it it goes like, you can't join the dots looking forward. You can always you can only join the dots looking back. And I yeah. I think like, like same as you, like you can only like you got this condition or you get an allergy, you can only look at the dots joining back of where you've come from and, and then what you've achieved now is like incredible in terms of raising awareness and and winning all these massive British championship like um, disability like gymnast awards is um is amazing so I think like it's one of the things like you can't you can only look look back at like the dots you've joined together then kind of see what the yeah the hindsight's a beautiful is. thing yeah. really isn't it but no definitely I wouldn't have imagined if someone said to me 10 years ago, we're doing disability sport and being sat where I am now, I'd be like, well, 10 years ago, I wasn't even disabled. So you never know what's going to happen. And I think that's really important to anyone out there, regardless of what's happening in their life. And your life can change in an instant. So, you know, make the most of what you can do, why you can do it now, you know, enjoy life, go out there. If you want to do something, don't put it off. You know, if you want to go somewhere, book it, you know, yeah, make the most of it, life because, yeah. you know, you've got to take the opportunities while you can. And I think it's so important as well that, not just allergies, but like anything. Everyone's got a, a voice now on social media. Definitely the the younger audience are so like clued up on like social media compared to like my mum and dad. She's they still don't really get Instagram when I say I'm doing an Instagram story or I'm doing this on a post and she's like, What? Like I don't I don't get it. Yeah, my mum's just about mastered Facebook, or even sometimes she comes up to me like, I've got a notification for this and I don't understand it. Can you can you have a look? And I'll like explain to her how to do it. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely a generation thing. And it's kind of interesting because on my Instagram, I have more kind of companies and younger followers. And then on my Twitter, I've got older followers. So I have like a different social media reach depending on which platform different, I use. Like demographic kind of yeah, thing for like each one. Yeah, definitely. So it depends what kind of thing I'm, you know, I'll, I'll maybe 
put something on Instagram that I wouldn't necessarily tweet about because I know more people will relate to it. And it's interesting, actually. The other day, I mean, obviously I take medication and one of them, quite a few of them are uh, dissolvable or they're not dissolvable, but I have to dissolve them in, in syringes and shake them in water. And that's something I do regularly and don't really think much of it. And I um, boomeranged one on Instagram the other day of me shaking the medication. And I got loads of messages back, loads of DMs back from it, which really surprised me because it's just something that I do every day and people uh, and were people really... people don't know this, yeah. No, it was, to me, it was such a normal everyday thing that I wouldn't even think about. I just happened to be bored and decided to make a boomerang of me shaking it. And then I got all this feedback and it was like, oh, you almost, I almost forget that my normal is really not that normal at all. Yeah, like people, you, you kind of get used to it, don't you? And like when you do share these snippets of your life, like then people are like, what? Like this is what you do every day. And I think that's so important. Like uh, Natasha's got a YouTube channel and she's looking at this year doing kind of like more kind of like content and, and vlogging to show like Natasha's life and what kind of what she gets up to on a daily basis. And like you said, a lot of people don't see like all the work that goes into the gymnast or the don't see that you you do take all this like like you said the medication and everything. And I think it's really interesting to I think a lot more people now are kind of quite interested in people's like kind of like what they get up to on a daily yeah, basis. Yeah, public interest. I think online Definitely. it's really easy to create whatever persona you want. I mean, I could just post like happy, healthy pictures of me on Instagram, and you know, no one would know what was wrong with me if I chose to do that. You know, it was quite easy to manipulate social media to show what you wanted, which is why. I'm very open on mine to show my reality and the same with the YouTube as well, just kind of showing the normal life. You know, it's not Instagram perfect life. It definitely isn't. I think it's just more authentic and real, like, because you do get all these, like, YouTube, um, kind of, like, YouTube influences and Instagram influences, which just show the best the best part of the life yeah. where they're on a beach. Or, like and chasing it, and perfection is hard it, for everybody else. And it's just not real, you know what I mean? I, 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 I get quite annoyed sometimes because it gives these young people a fake persona of how they should be living their life. Like, Definitely. why am I not on holiday this year? Or why am I not going to see Why don't I look like, like that when I wake up? When they, I see these morning routine videos and they wake up, I'm like, oh, I wake up and I stretch. I'm like, I wake up, my hair is everywhere. I look a mess. There's probably like a bit of dribble on my pillow or something like that, or a crusty <laughs> eye. You know, the reality that we all yeah. live with. And then it just doesn't show any of that they wake up kind of stretched like amazing their skin's like, all lovely skin's and I'm like I do not look like that when I wake up skin's <laughs> being like airbrushed and it's just like what it's like yeah exactly it's not real this like, and I it, did not wake up like this <laughs> yeah and I think that's what's like incredible like when you like I said like doing kind of like behind the scenes because it is this it is real and it, it is you and I think like it's the best way to to for people to get to know your story rather than like you said you could just post like the medals are yeah it's just an open on honest reflection yeah. of my life really it's who i am and my social media i want to reflect who i am and you know if people don't want to follow up that's fine you know i'm not going to create a fake persona for more followers or you know fame or money or things like that i just share who i am and if people like that it's great and if people don't then they don't have to look and listen it's it's simple as that in regards to like the kind of like condition do you feel do you feel like sometimes it kind of like stops you like because you're, you're 20, it's 20 years old now. I'm 23. Oh, 23. Oh, God. Sorry. Nearly 24. Uh, when When's your birthday? 7th of February. All right. So it's They're not long to around go. Around the corner now. Do you, do you feel that sometimes it, being a 23, 24, year, like 23 year old, that stops you doing what maybe other 23 year olds are, are doing, like maybe yeah, like nights out and that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, my independence is a lot different. I mean, I can't drink. Um, not that, you know, 
it doesn't evolve around that, but so lots of people my age, like all my friends will go out to the pub and things like that. And it's society for my age is very much around kind of alcohol and nights out and kind of getting your life together. And, you know, it's, it's hard for me because my condition is so unpredictable. You know, I can't commit to a nine to five job because I can't guarantee that every day I'm going to feel well enough to be productive, to do work. So it's really difficult to try and manage and balance everything. Like today, doing this now, I couldn't have said, I might have had to text you in the morning, like, I'm really sorry, I'm really ill, or I'm in hospital, or I'm unable to, to do, to do yeah. it. And I feel bad because I'm letting people down, but thankfully, people are really understanding and say, oh, like, don't worry about it, I hope you feel better soon. And I know sometimes it is an inconvenience, but... You know, my condition inconveniences me all the time. It's really frustrating. Yeah, like it's like you said, like you never know like when it might happen, kind of thing. And I think you're busy enough anyway for nine to five. Like you, every time I speak to you, like you. Yeah, I seem to have everything on. I am yeah. either in hospital and have nothing on, or out of hospital and trying to do everything before I end up back in hospital and can't do anything. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, like filling in, trying to like squeeze it all in. I yeah, know it's, it's like trying to do all the work that I've. It's like being off school for a couple of months and having to catch up on all your schoolwork. <laughs> Just all do it in like one night, like a like a late night kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, pull it all night to get all your work done, and then crash for the week. I know. I feel like that. I've like I've obviously work like nine till half five and then I'm trying to do all like the old just old stuff or reaching out to people like yourself or trying to do a podcast and it's it's just a bit overwhelming at times I'm like my parents are like Dan you just need to like take a break I'm like no like I want to do it like and like like you said when you you're passionate about something and you like you speak a lot about like the MCAS and, and making more people aware that you, you don't see it as a chore you're just like this is what I'm passionate about this is who I am and this yeah, is if I don't voice. talk about it who will so you know if it it's it's hard sometimes talking very openly and, and you know it's embarrassing or people can take it the wrong way and it can be upsetting or distressing for me or you know it's quite personal having someone like follow you around with a camera all the time or something like that but and I think people don't realize that but it shows people what it's really like and that's what I want and there's nobody out there doing that so I can't expect other people to do it for me you know if I want something doing you know you got to do it yourself haven't you yeah that's what I mean if someone else and I think like you said, there's not there's not many people like yourself talking about it. Definitely like your age as well. Like, and I think I think it's great because you, you're a lot younger. You relate more to like kind of like people your age, and and I mean I think it's every age, right? You know what I mean? Like you're not like just specific to like talking about it to like young people, but like just getting everyone kind of aware of it and going about it a bit differently. Like. So, what would you say is the best piece of advice? you've got is it is any piece of advice which comes to mind in regards to whether that's like allergy related or just in general maybe i think both allergy related and in general general it'd be be brave you know sometimes you've got to be brave you've got to push your limits and it is difficult and it is uncomfortable but you know if you're nervous about talking to someone about your allergy sometimes you have to be brave and just do it and it's not easy I'd be lying if I was sat here telling you, oh, it's really easy. It is hard, but it's worth it. You have to look after yourself. You know, if you're too busy looking after everybody else, you've not got enough for yourself. So I think, you know, be brave and don't give up. Focus on what you want to do and what you want from your life. Because at the end of the day, you're number one and everybody else is looking out for themselves too. So, you know, you've got to you to prioritise yourself and your health and your needs in order to be able to help others. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Make and Tame podcast thank you for having me have you enjoyed it yes I've enjoyed it very much yeah it's been fun and I think it's just like 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 I said like you're 
kind of like your whole journey has like been incredible and I've been following it since 2015 now. So it's been amazing to kind of see you grow and, and see you like raise so much awareness about MCAS and, and getting people talking about it. I think, I think it's amazing. Um, if you like this episode, if you like make contain, do make sure to give it a thumbs up, like comment. You can follow me at underscore make contain. And Natasha- you can follow my social media. I'm on pretty much everything under Natasha Coates GB. So you can so hit me up on social media. Thank you for listening to the Make and Tame podcast today. I'm really trying to break the stigma of allergies. So if you get a moment to share the podcast with a family member or a friend, like I honestly like really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe to me on iTunes so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you do get a minute, if you could leave me a review on iTunes, it would honestly mean so much. Thank you for listening. Bye.